welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time You are listening to another episode of our Triune Pod, our 100th episode, triple digits. It's been almost two years. Can you believe it? Have you have you done much of anything for two years straight, Nick Comiskey? Um, Maybe I mean, college. Yeah, the short answer is definitely yes. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> maybe your marriage. Yeah, God. my marriage exactly. Um, but that I am, uh, as we talked about a few weeks ago, I am shocked we've made it this far. And we're still going. We're just getting started, people. This is not the end, just so we're clear. This the is train, not our final episode. The train has just left the station. And speaking of, uh, Ben, I asked you to watch a movie uh, earlier this week. It is called Runaway Train. Let's, uh, let me just do a, um, a Wikipedia summary, all right? Runaway Train is a 1985 American independent action thriller. The story concerns two escaped convicts and a female assistant locomotive driver who are stuck on a runaway train as it barrels through snowy, desolate Alaska. It stars John Voigt, everyone's favorite Trump conservative in Hollywood, and everyone's favorite drug-addicted older brother of his more famous sister, Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts had a moment like in the early to mid-80s. Anyway, Ben, what'd you think of Runaway Train? Did you like it? So this is, I saw it right after I saw another, I guess, 80s, 70s movie called Five Easy Pieces by with uh, Jack Nicholson. And that is a masterpiece. That is uh, right after Easy Rider. This is Jack Nicholson kind of at his best. Oh, yeah, I've seen this. So it's, seeing it very, right very after that movie was was pretty hard because you're kind of in the mood for something kind of, you know, I don't know, just kind of nourish slash super well done. But from the start, <laughs> Runaway Train was just like, Holy crap, what is going on? I think Runaway Train is very well done. I, <laughs> I dispute that characterization. Dude, it was nominated for Oscars. Um, now, I will say it, it was very fun, uh, but the transition from them breaking out of jail to them hopping on this train and the engineer, the train engineer, just has this kind of magical heart attack or whatever. Right. <laughs> and then they're just like essentially going to die yeah uh, unless I mean, they pull it, off a miracle it's like unstoppable have you seen unstoppable that tony scott movie with denzel and chris pine yeah I'm not, i mean i'm not sure that one won any oscars or was nominated for any but no uh, it wasn't but it was it's a cool movie uh, uh, granted granted i want to take a step back and say it was a lot of fun i watched it with chelsea my new wife and um i feel like she's going to stop watching movies with me very soon yeah meg, meg wouldn't she, even go there she feigned yeah. at enjoying it i so. had a i told another buddy to watch it and he responded he's like man people in hollywood were just hitting the slopes back then like there's just, you could just feel the cocaine energy just like humming through the movie but I you feel know like you have knowledge about that though like uh, I mean, your movie knowledge is very impressive, but yeah, the, these movies, same thing with five easy pieces. It's just like these kind of movies can't be made today. Oh. Like the, the ending is yeah. too sad. Some might say too real. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's like pretty dark. 
Well, well, unpack that for me. I mean, there, they, this kind of stopped. It stopped with Heaven's Gate, like in 1980 or 81 or whatever. But this is a very, I'm sure there's a, this is a much more complicated story that I'm about to say. But the, the kind of narrative, easy narrative, is that there was this unique moment where movies were, as monoculture, you know, movies were the most popular thing in the world. And the studio system would basically just bankroll auteur directors, you know, like artistic directors, their vision. And there was a ton of money in creative, really good filmmaking, like in the seventies. And it was before these studios were run, like corporations are run today with boards and audience testing and you know, and it was also not a globalized world. So it didn't really matter if people liked it in China. No one in China was going to see these movies. No one in mm-hmm. India was going to see these movies. And so they didn't have to, uh, there was, didn't have to appeal to the lowest common denominator. But yeah, there was yeah. just this moment when really artistic movies would have a lot of money invested in them and they would make a ton of money. Most of them, yeah. you know, not all of them, but. And, and like, there's just like cynicism seems rampant. Like there's like a political cynicism yeah. in a lot of these movies. Oh, now yeah. that sounds like these movies would be a downer, but like all the president's men is awesome. Um, yeah. But it just kind of doesn't end the way, like everything's neatly wrapped up. Oh like, man. I mean, th- that's, movie. yeah, that's a big, like Quentin, Quentin Tarantino, that's like one of his big hobby horses. He has yeah. like this whole thing about the eighties and the age of Reagan and the way runaway train is an exception to this, but the way that the third act and all the movies in the eighties become this very, like, it's always sunny in America. Like it's always, it always wraps up really well. Um, what I love about runaway train though, to speak more particularly with this movie is like, I mean, it's super weird, which is awesome. And it's uh, this like, very philosophical movie about the nature of like good and evil and consciousness. Like the train is obviously a symbol for something, you know, that just keeps going. It can't be stopped, but it's like this, it's not like it doesn't wink at the audience at all. It's no, like we're in on the joke. It's more like, this is very serious as an action movie. And this is very serious as like an exercise in like philosophical inquiry. And it's like, dude, that is just cool. (laughs) I don't know. I, I loved it. Yeah, I love the very end when they're kind of like he's going into the sunset it's on so the train. Incredible. He's exactly. going to his death, and it's like painting back to the prisoners. Yeah, and it's like probably exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Like, no, totally. Prison system is what it is. Yeah, there's no stopping it. But he's kind of the messiah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this like amoral messiah. Yeah, that's what I want, man. Just more immoral art. The less morality, the better. Um, not like immoral, amoral. You know, there's a big difference. Okay. Uh, ben, we'll unpack that on episode 101. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to talk about Psalm 103. This is definitely not amoral, definitely not immoral. This is Bible, baby. And uh, it goes like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases infirmities. He redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness. He satisfies you with good things and your youth is renewed like an eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses and his works, the children of Israel. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and of great kindness. All right, well, interrupt at any time, Nick, but what I see going on here in these eight verses of Psalm 103 is in verse one and two, it kind of sets the tone. We say, 
bless the Lord, O my soul. We say that twice. The first time, we're essentially saying, with all that is in me, bless God's holy name. I'm kind of reminded of the, you know, all of me, John Legend song, all of me for all of you. It's every praise and worship song. It's just us being fired up for Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually awesome. We should get over ourselves and, and embrace it. And then verse two, again, the same thing, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then the rest of the psalm until the final verse, and even the final verse, seems to be a list of God's benefits toward us. It's as if we're saying, well, of course, we should praise him and be all in for God. But why are we all in for God? And what are some of the things? He forgives us. He heals us. He redeems us from the grave. I love this. He satisfies us with good things. I don't know what this means, but your youth is renewed like an eagle's. An eagle's youth, our youth. I don't know what that means. And then he gets into, you know, like executes righteousness and judgment for the oppressed. This is real. This isn't just kind of a, a spiritual reality. This is a material reality. Uh, and, and then it focuses in on the fact that this is made to a particular people. His ways are made known to Moses and his works to the children of Israel. These are the children of God whom we are as well. We've been grafted in. We bless the Lord because he forgives us, heals us, redeems us. And then the psalm closes out with kind of a just what God's character is like. He's full of compassion and mercy slow to anger and of great kindness. And I love that, right? Because we say in the Psalm, in the midst of his benefits, he executes righteousness, which means he judges, but really he's full of compassion and mercy and the judgment thing he's slow to. It kind of reminds me of that passage in Deuteronomy, right? That God judges to the third and fourth generation, but he shows mercy to the thousandth. So it just... Even those of us who read the Old Testament at times and are like, oh, man, God seems a little judgy. Uh, well, I mean, it's good that God judges things that are really bad for us or you know, God judges the people who are oppressing us. Uh, but really, I think what I've zeroed in on and what, what's been really doing it for me lately in the midst of all these benefits is the healing. Um, I want to be well. That Sufjan Stevens song has never gotten old for me, where he says, I want to be well like 5,000 times. And then he's so into it that he's essentially throwing out expletives. Like, I want to be effing well already. Um, and that's what we're saying. Like, we're blessing the Lord because one of the things the Lord does is makes us well. Mm. So are you, do you understand the yours uh, in verses three through or the, the you, you know, is that like the psalmist talking to himself? Like, you know, bless the Lord, oh my soul, because self, he forgiven all. I mean, not that it really matters, but yeah, is that yeah. the idea? Is that you're kind of talking to yourself and rehearsing to yourself all the reasons why God is worthy to be blessed or praised or honored? Is that is that the idea? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, I, I, it seems that on the reading, but you know, this is also probably a psalm used for corporate worship. Totally, yeah. And in that verse seven, this is, it's made clear this is addressed to the people yeah, of God. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think, I think there, we can do that. Yeah. It does. It, I mean, there's a way in which the Bible dignifies us by not, by giving us reasons to fulfill its commands. Right. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. 
I mean, this is, you know, talking to yourself, but just, you know, but we do read this in some ways as an imperative, at least I kind of, it, it, it hits me. I hear it as an imperative, like bless the Lord on my soul. Okay. I'm supposed to bless the Lord. Uh, okay. Bless the Lord. Okay. I'm supposed to do this. Why? And it's, oh, it's, I'll tell you why it's because God forgives all your sins. God heals all your, and so it's not manipulative. Right. And you can imagine, uh, I mean, me and you are both in the literal business of leading worship, you know, like we stand before people all the time and we tell them to feel certain things or believe certain things. And, you know, it's like that it's, this is a, a cliche. No one is ever this cheesy or bad, but you can imagine walking into a church and the minister saying, guys, isn't the Lord just so good. Let's just give them, let's just give them praise. Let's just give them thanks. And you're like, okay, I don't really know why I'm supposed to feel good already. Like you haven't told me anything. And I think here the psalmist is dignifying us and the Bible is dignifying us by giving us very specific reasons, you know, anchored in our own histories as to why the Lord is indeed full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and of great kindness. And I mean, in this translation, you see that in verse two, it's, uh, we're, we're so prone to forget, um, mm. all the good things. I always focus on the negative things. It's kind of like when, you know, maybe you give a, a public address and 98 of the hundred people and the address you gave loved it. But all you can think about is the two or the two who didn't like it. And here we're just, we're getting a list. And I mean, this is why we hear the gospel every single week, right? We're so prone to forget the gospel. We're so prone to forget his benefits. So here in a microcosm, it's it's listed. Forgiveness, healing, mercy, loving kindness. And I, yeah, redeems your life from the grave. What does that mean in the Old Testament, right? Like before we have the explicit resurrection of Jesus where people die, I, I, I don't even know. Um, and then just basic stuff, satisfies you with good things. Like, okay, yeah, that sounds like what I tell my kids to pray for if I, you know, in my, in my youth group. But but yeah, that's, that's real. Um, that's good, man. I remember, um, I think I've, I must have preached on this or heard this. I don't know. I this in some recess of my memory uh, and answer to your question about, what is that? That verse he said is, oh, your youth is renewed like an eagle's. This is the kind of thing that preaches. I don't frankly know how true this is either historically or um, physiologically, but I, I remember reading that um, at least the way that eagles were understood in the in ancient Israel, that uh, when uh, at some point an, an, eagle, an eagle that I lived for a long time, their nails become so long um, and not particularly flexible, so they cannot grab their prey to eat. Um, and so they have to undergo this very, very painful process whereby the eagle flies to the top of a mountain, stays there for a long time, and they will, you know, hit an eagle will hit its beak against the rock until the, its beak breaks. So it's, its beak grows back softer. And same thing with his claws. And so it's this uh, metaphor of like death getting brought, being brought, death from going from death to life. So our youth is renewed like the eagles. It's like new creation. We get given these like new faculties, these new capabilities. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe on, in verse four, for he redeems your life from the grave. I mean, just throughout the scriptures, we we seem to have this, you know, Israel was brought into exile to their death and life was made out of death. Or in Ezekiel, the, the valley of dry bones. Mm. Uh, can these bones live? Yeah. And, with Christ, we see the fruition or fulfillment of all of that, which yeah. is our reality, which I think we have every right to read into verse four. He redeems our life from the grave. Uh, death does not have the final word. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. This is a wonderful Psalm. I mean, this is the Psalm that if this is a type of Psalm that if you were to spend a little bit of time, you know, anchoring in your own life story, some of these wonderful statements about forgiveness and healing and redemption and satisfaction and renewal, it would invariably give rise to verses one and two, you know, of all that is within me, bless the Lord. That's good. News. And it sounds a whole lot like what, you know, those therapists tell us to do that we never do, which is like, it might not be the worst idea to, at the end of the day, keep a thank you journal. Mm. Um, this is kind of like, you know, the Bible's thank you journal. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why, I mean, in some respects, I think that's why you should, why you should. I think that's why I think church is a very like psychologically hygienic thing, because if you're in a good church, you will have, you will, there will be occasions for Thanksgiving and, and, and stories and truths that anchor that in, you know, in real life circumstances. Yeah. And that helped me be less forgetful about his benefits. Mm. All right, let's read it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your infirmities. He redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness. He satisfies you with good things, and your youth is renewed like an eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses and his works to the children of Israel. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, and of great kindness. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.